You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Yeah, Julia, she's back. It's the first this time she didn't do anything better since she did something cool. She's only sort of back, though. She's only here for the first part of the episode. And then she vanishes when we do the interview. Yep. It's magic. Are you going to just... It's just, magic. You son of a bitch. <laughs> You're just like fucking... Because you didn't do anything to set up. You wait until we're recording, and then you start moving mics around. You son of a bitch. Sorry. She's uh, more like the the daughter of a ass. I don't know. I don't think Heather's a bitch, so she can't. Uh, and she's Jeremy's a, boy, a bitch. So. I am. <laughs> she's still so she's a, the daughter she, of a bitch. No, she's a son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, it's episode 372. Um, should be a pretty long episode um, because Nick and Daria. Daria? Daria. Nick and Aria. Daria, darling. <clears throat> uh, Daria. 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 Cha, cha, cha. What Beans the hell? and Butthead from Dar- Daria. Oh, Daria's yeah. World. Um, anyway, uh, Nick and Ari and Dar- Darling will be joining us, uh, and, um, it's, uh, we had a really good time with them and, uh, their dog. <laughs> well, Phoebe had a really good time with their dog. Uh, took a while here. to get them on the show, so we're really excited it was able to happen. COVID yeah. happened, all that stuff happened, and they did their tour, and long story short, We've been trying for probably We've been trying for about a, a part of a year yeah. to get them on the show, so we're um, excited about this interview. The Infinite Sadness is not joining them. Um, she's infinitely busy, apparently. Uh, and also, it's just Nick and Arya now. Uh, the Infinite Sadness doesn't exist anymore. She's, she's dead to me. That's not true. She's Nick, <laughs> Nick does talk about how busy she is, I think. Well, I, I, I think know. he still collaborates from time to time. They just don't tour and... Yeah, 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 yeah. She's busy. She's busy. She's playing that fucking cello everywhere. Um, who knew a cellist would be so busy as a cellist? Like, and why is cello cellist and ch when it's just C E L L? Ch. Cello. Is it's it a Italian? cellist. I don't know. Why are people in Hungary named Hungarians and not They're, hungry people? Fuck. That's the last night. <laughs> we're talking. I don't remember what we were talking about. But Bree's like, you know. The, the adoption. Somebody was oh, adopting. Yeah. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, from what? Like, She's like, no, from Hungary. You know, a hungry people. <laughs> the hungry I couldn't person. remember what Hungarians were called. <laughs> like, so I was like. Do you mean a Hungarian? And she's no, like, he was saying something about like <clears throat> they were white and they'd adopted a, a Chinese son and an Indian daughter and he's like and I said that I was giving them shit because they're, they're, they're on a show to help deal with the lack of space they have in this house and they're trying to give these kids better lives they have one so natural they have a biological born. child that's white they've adopted they two the kids Chinese son and the Indian daughter they live in a three bedroom house where the bedrooms are fucking like smaller tiny. than this room that we're in it's like children hoarders or something yeah like I'm like you don't but anyway like, well, we don't know what we're gonna the do point we're gonna is, kid. the point is we were watching this and he was like and I said they should give the oldest kid the desk by the window because he has to deal with all these adopted kids that his parents are just like bringing in. And Chris said something about because he was the only white one. And I was like, no, they're adopting a baby from Hungary. I said, what color are 
Hungry people. <laughs> Hunger knows no uh, bounds, Free a- uh, Anybody can be hungry. Yes. There's no, like, what color are Mexicans? Uh, they're funny. every color as well, but the hungry people. They're not Hungarian. What they're color hungry are hungry people? people? Hungry people. I couldn't remember Hungarian. So, f- henceforth, from now forward, Hungarians will just be called so hungry people. So, last night when, when I was talking to the dog, I was asking the dog if she was from Hungary, if she was a hungry dog. I think all dogs are hungry dogs. They must all come from the hungry people. Hungry people. I, I fucking cannot believe that. Um, July 4th, everyone's safe. You got all your digits. Because, you know, like the days leading up to it, I just look at images and images and images of people who get fucked up by fireworks. Uh, at, and also uh, that one video that was circulating this year. Did you see that where the firework exploded and went sideways? And oh, yeah. Like a big part of it landed in their stockpile, Did which you? was conveniently under the, the back truck. side of a truck. You, Wait, stockpile, s- like, of ammunition? Of other fireworks. fireworks. So that and then oh. they exploded. Either you the sent truck. that one to me or I sent it to you. I can't remember. But yeah, I saw that one. That was crazy. That was that was all over the place. That that made, I think that would made, like, a CNN uh, page, actually. Like, So we had no mishaps like that. Uh, and That's because you just light the snakes. We just, we, yeah, we're like the Colorado versus Wyoming. <laughs> oh my god, that video was so. Good. Colorado. We're so there Colorado. was a there was a TikTok video that I found <laughs> that I sent Jeremy, and uh, it's it's uh, Colorado he fireworks sent it to me too. Uh, versus um, uh, Wyoming, Wyoming fireworks, and and it's absolutely spot on because in Wyoming where I grew up. Fireworks are legal. All fireworks are legal. There's All like year round. Not, there's not restrictions like. It, like at one point in the video, he's like, "Hey, is that an anthill? Let's get an M80." <laughs> I've done that. I've all literally done that. Stuck. M80s all fireworks matter in Wyoming. And they were like pointing Roman candles at each other on purpose. I've done that. And then the Colorado one's like, "Oh, look at how big that snake's growing." Lighting the snakes. <laughs> no, we don't light anything that takes off of the ground <laughs> because we respect wildlife and nature. <laughs> So anyway, sidewalk of fire was. So the uh, gates are Colorado people. Ish. <clears throat> I do have a box I made. I know we've talked about. It. I, I I do have a safety box I made a few years ago. So if anything yeah. goes up in the air, you light it in the box. That way, if it tips over, it just blows the box up. It doesn't like. Yep. Kill yeah, we learned the hard way. We needed that. What? After one launched into the yard and almost killed Grandpa. It wasn't one of ours. It was one of our neighbors. Anyway, so we have our safety box. However, our neighborhood's well, the street I'm on is getting to where that it's really not. The little kids like there used to be. So we did ours, and we had one other neighbor on our street do theirs, and it was fine. It's the crazy rich people behind us that oh, yeah. must spend $10,000. That's when you just go get in the pool and watch the show. That's what Jonathan and his friend did. Yeah. After we not? got done with our little show, they just sat in the pool, because from the pool, you could see Rivertons, you could see our oh, crazy yeah. neighbors. So You guys are kind of up a little ways on the hill, so it's pretty yeah, easy to see. Just enough that. that, yeah, we could see them, and I think we could see... Drapers and mm-hmm. a couple others. So, anyway, our, our fourth was it was fine. It was nice. What you guys do? Anything? Uh, I waited. I got over COVID. Got over COVID. That was, <laughs> that was so psychic. That that was my Fourth of July weekend was being sick with COVID that whole week basically leading up to it. So thank goodness that week that we um, did the interview, you wore a mask. Yeah. Well, that's why because I didn't know um, that day I was feeling kind of crummy and like. I felt like I was coming down with a cold, which, by the way, if you have a fucking cold or the flu or anything, you should probably wear a mask to Just help to be on the safe side to, to protect people. And then turns out that was, uh, and then, COVID. was it the next day or two days later, the, na- the next day. So that Wednesday, he woke up achy. 
I woke up achy, like, you know how you get achy with the flu? That's uh, not a cold. And I definitely didn't have the flu, and I was like, fuck, that's COVID. So Bree's... So. Oh, I sent a message to Bree, because you hadn't really been responding, because I figured you're yeah. still feeling crappy. So I sent Bree a message. I'm like, how's Chris doing? She's like, I think he has COVID. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely did. Um, and, like, Wednesday was pretty bad. Thursday, Thursday was really bad, too. Um, but by Friday, I was feeling better. But then it was the, the COVID, like... Uh, I'm still okay, but like I can't do anything. Like I would go outside and do some work, and feel like, like garbage. Like after. twenty minutes in, I was just like, "Fuck, I gotta take a break." Yeah. Like I walk up the stairs, I'm like, "Fuck, I need to sit down." Like it, it's so weird how brutal that is. Uh, but I, you know, I'm great now. I got, it wasn't so bad. It was you know a couple days of real sickness and it still stinks. But anyway, over the COVIDs, over the fourth. Yeah. yeah. How's the clover doing, by the way? Uh, so good. Good. So that's one of the things I did while sick with COVID is plant more clover. So I've got two, I would say like 20 by 20 patches now. And they're starting um, to... The, the, well, the new one I did this weekend... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, There's nothing. The there was nothing as of yesterday. Yeah, it's it's only been like two days now. So it's, it's what is it like a seven to fourteen day germination? Um, I've seen them pop up within the first week, but like oh. within five days. Yeah, but yeah, no. I the stuff that I was reading said, don't be surprised if it doesn't come up for like two weeks. But um, you know, I tilled the ground with my tiller, uh, and then you tilled it with your tiller. Well, you know, because you could also till it with like a fucking shovel, Which, and well, that would that's be not really tilling then. Well, it basically it's the same thing. You dig up ground and turn it over. That's all you're doing with the tiller. But anyway. Uh, and then I put the seed down and then I rake soil back over it so the stupid birds don't eat it. And yeah. then the trick is I've been watering the shit out of it to keep it really moist. And that seems to be allowing it to take root really fast. So the patch that's over here for the audience that can't see me <laughs> which is, on the west side of our yard. Which the is patch closest to the garden. Um, there's a fair amount of grass that has taken back root. Uh, oh, okay. with, with the extra watering and the churning of the soil. And so there's a good mix of grass with the clover, which is what we ultimately kind of want. It's, um, it's best for it. So, and it'll choke out like so all weeds. One that thing that'll point. help, just a little side note, go to wherever Lowe's Home Depot, get the moss that's compacted. Take that, put your seed down like you've been doing, put the moss on it and water it. The moss expands and then it turns it into almost it. a paste. Yeah. And it gets, crusty is not quite the word but kind of and it creates a crust over it and it'll start popping up even faster and it keeps it moist so you don't have to water as much oh that's not a bad so idea. it's got to be moss so it can't be the other stuff it's got to be the actual the moss moss and that's, that's a good uh, that's a good trick um just this keeps going as well as it is i think i'll have him do it to the front yard but so i spent the fourth <clears throat> finishing up um pulling all the weeds in the park the parking, not the park strip, the but the, where the gravel is. And then this last Sunday, um, I went out and weeded the clover because all of the water is not right now because the clover hasn't oh, really set, oops, sorry, really set in and the grass is still kind of fighting. There's a lot of weeds that are like, woohoo, this is like great water. So I <clears throat> went through the patch of the 20, the first 20 foot patch and just weeded. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, uh, also our dog has a UTI. Um, not okay. just a UTI. <laughs> According to the vet, because I, so we, she was at <laughs> daycare today and they sent us a message, they sent Bree a message and said, Hey, Phoebe's peeing blood. Do you guys want to come get her? And I had to take her to the vet. So Bree's calling the vet. I go get the dog. They're like, you don't need to bring her in. We just, just need a pee we just sample. need a urine sample. 
So I uh, I took some Tupperware and uh, disposable Tupperware. You know the disposable kind? <laughs> yeah. And uh, can you tell the vet, can I get that back? <laughs> she asked, actually, when I took it in. She's like, do you want this back? I'm like, uh, no. She's like, you'd be surprised. <laughs> but anyway, so as soon as Phoebe got home, she always goes out and pees right away from day camp. And so I went out there and like I kind of followed her. And then when she, she went to like, squat and I went to shove it underneath, she's like, what the what the fuck's going on? What are you doing back there? <laughs> and then, like, she just kept going, so I got a little bit of pee and some blood, which is gross. But anyway, I take it in and get it tested, and uh, the the vet comes out, and she's like, yeah, she has a raging UTI, <laughs> so we'll get Baby's you some. a whore. Uh, no, motherfucker. <laughs> um, so anyway, so uh, Phoebes is, uh, she's sick right now. Um, she's on some antibiotics and some... I'm assuming that the they call it pain medication, but really what it is is an anti-spasm uh, medication. Oh. Because a UTI, in addition to the infection, what it does is it makes your bladder just contract over and over and over again, and it hurts really bad. Just um, trying to push out that infection. That does not idea. sound fun. No, I, I no. You know, most most women usually have have had a, at least one UTI in their lives. At least eventually, sometime you get one. And they hurt. And the best thing that the doctor can do, if your doctor doesn't give you the pills that make your pee like super orangey red, you need a different doctor because that makes the difference. Cause you, it only takes like a day or a day and a half for the, the antibiotics to kick in. But with that medication, you instantly get hey, like pain relief. Guys can get UTIs too. I know, but they don't that often. It's a lot more. You basically have to be shoving st- stuff up your pee hole and not cleaning it out. Like Legos and stuff. No. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> do Legos fit up your pee hole? That well, so I suspect if you get one to fit up your pee hole, you probably get a UTI. That's disturbing. Just that's it's a video. You, I do you, you have a huge? Oh, Basically, girls just have <laughs> to know, okay, breathe. Wrong. I will say this: half the videos you send me end up by the time I get to them, they're already taken down. Yeah. So a lot of videos. This you is send a lot me. about what Jeremy's TikTok is, <laughs> but they're pretty much the same ones Chris sends me. <laughs> no, dude, mine are way more tasteful. Way more tasteful. <laughs> okay, mine don't get taken down all the time. Um, How do you know? Are you going back and looking? Speaking of TikTok, by the way, uh, we have a TikTok now. The New Utah podcast is on we TikTok. Do? I created it today. I have not made a video yet. Maybe we'll make one. Oh, before, we should make one before we leave. Uh, before we leave tonight. Um, and that way, when you're hearing this, you can go see our one see video our and follow us and like us. And I have like three videos on my TikTok. There's one talking about my IUI sisters, one of Chris and one of my IUI sisters singing the Barbie song. I love that song. And one of when they, when they were saying that the, the, what are those stupid mallow stuffies? I don't, I don't. Oh, testing the squishmallow dog cat. Yeah, uh, Chris. That's bullshit. Chris found one at like Walgreens or something. Brought it home, and uh, she had it open in like fucking less than ten minutes. Not even that, because it was open within the time of the video. And I don't have long videos, so those are. I think those are the three videos I posted on my TikTok. We might post some stuff on TikTok uh, (laughs) moving forward because I'm not making videos for myself, but I might make some for the podcast. Uh, Also. um, RSL. I'm going to talk about them real quick. Oh my gosh, that game! They, uh, I mean, they're so we we just got uh both uh we got two new signings, um Chicho Arango, um who was with LAFC, went to a Mexican club for like four months, and now is with us. Uh, has been he with the team for about a month. Super cool. 
Record sign like eight million dollar transfer fee, I think, is is wow. what the rumor is. Um, record signing for RSL by a lot. Like it's not even close. Uh, and he was able to start uh, and notched and a goal score. twenty minutes in. Um, but overall, the team scored four goals uh, and allowed none, which is really good. Uh, and and um, RSL is on a hell of a tear performance wise. Um, I think we're unbeaten in 14 games now. Which is good, because um, they sure started out rough. Yeah, it started out very rough, but we're we're really in a good run of form. We have a game uh, tomorrow, uh, on Wednesday, if you... When, when you get the... When you listen to this, it might be today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the league takes a break for a little while. Um, worth mentioning, the Women's World Cup starts up. Um, they just had their send-off game. Um, the Men's Gold Cup is going on right now for the U.S. national team. But I just wanted to talk about RSL. Um, there is a League's Cup thing that's happening for the next few weeks uh, that will be non-MLS play uh, that the team will be participating in. But RSL's doing really well. I think we're third or fourth in the West right now. I'd have to go look to, to double-check. Um, but doing great. Um Solid, and Justin solid. Glad got another goal, so he's well on his way to his six goals. Is what his goal was, and this he's year. got four now as a defender, as a center yeah, back. He's a defender. That's awesome. Uh, and then lastly, uh, and then we'll get to our interview. Uh, I told you it was going to be a long episode. Um, Julia Gulia um, is a she's a witch. She's a bona fide Satan worshiping witch. <laughs> is what it says in the article. Uh, no, we. I think we talked about it on air that you were oh, being yeah. interviewed by Salt Lake Magazine. Um, and the way these things go with print publications, which is why they're dying, um, <laughs> you'll get an interview and pictures and then six months later. It was like pretty much four, did it. It was it four like months. February yeah, or so. like four or five months later, she's now in Salt Lake Magazine. Yep, so she's check out the July, August 2023 edition. It's like a two-page swimsuit edition. <laughs> not really. But also... Um, she's dressed very professionally who, in What's her picture. name on the cover? For, so, what's her name? Uh, so, no, 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 no. On the cover, oh. so so Frank, who we've had on the show, um, one of Jeremy's contractors that he works pretty closely with and, and he talks about quite a bit, we talked to him about his daughter's popsicle business. Mm-hmm. Joy Popsicles. That's what it's called. And she's on the cover of this edition. So she's also in this magazine. So good job. Her picture must have been better, Julia. That, or her story. I'm not sure which. She is holding three popsicles, which has more It's appeal. a summer edition, so it makes sense. It has more appeal to the masses than um, rocks. being a witch. That's fine. They're not rocks. They're crystals. They're very important, Julia. Okay. They, 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 uh, they? So I'm congratulations saying. is my point for uh, having a nice a nice article, a well written article, and should put up a a post for. Are you gonna are they socials. link or something? Are you gonna like get it framed and everything? And stuff yeah, I went and bought three copies at Harmon's today. Yeah, well, you might be able to get from them like the like a an uncut copy to frame. Maybe like an unbound Some copy. Or solicitor something. the second it got. Published, called me and asked if I wanted me if they wanted one. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's a it, especially where That's it's the only like, reason I knew it came out. Is it the first? Is it the first like magazine publication thing that you've been in? Uh, the first one that was actually printed on paper and put in stores. Yeah, see, it's I, the third magazine though. It's definitely worth, I think. Yeah, memorializing that and putting put it up, up in your shop. shop. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Tout yourself. Good job. Thank you. All. I think it's time to get to our interview now. Okay, with us uh, this week, we have uh, our friend Nick Passy and Aria Darling. How are you guys? Hello. 
Hi. We're so happy to have you guys. We've been kind of before we started, we were talking that we've been trying to get you guys on for a while. We had a little thing called COVID that kind of got in the way because uh, we did, did go to uh, your concert before COVID. Then obviously that took its toll, and then you guys did some traveling. There's the tickets are right there. Oh yeah, there's the tickets oh, yeah. for the show. Oh, the yeah. show tickets up there somewhere. It's up there, oh, there by the bag. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's and, not and a then, bag. Wow. It's it's the patch. Oh yeah, the bag's over there. <laughs> and then when they you know closed things down for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> two weeks, two years. Yeah, yeah. You, you know. Yeah, I you know I I had I do have to be honest though I think I saw Nick more just running into him randomly yeah during the pandemic than <laughs> yeah. any other time like because when we go downtown I would always run into Nick yeah yeah it worked out like farmers way. market and stuff like that or just who knows just <sighs> all the time just randomly like, a lot of times at the different markets but yeah I just run into him randomly that's awesome which is weird cause, yeah because it's like we're all just like okay we're gonna go to one thing this month and then it's like. You're also All here. the people are here. <laughs> Everyone decided this one thing was the thing to do. Yeah. So, and that's because we don't go downtown a ton just because, you know, it takes forever to get there from here. And, yeah, you know, when you don't live there, it's kind of out of the way. You're, you're still downtown though, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're like right off of 13th South. So I think, I think we're right on the border of where the zip code like changes. Uh-huh. So I'm. I think technically we might be South Salt Lake, but like if we were across the street, it would be like downtown. It'd still be downtown. Yeah. So you were in that those apartment complex that they condemned and closed, or s- yeah, something? yeah. I was. We we were living at La France. Um, yeah, Ari and that's I, what it is. And uh, I had been like saving up money, knowing that Folk Hogan was going to go on tour for a month, knowing that I was going to go with my solo project for a month, and everything got shut down and. I was like, you know, I was going to wait one more year, but I'm just going to look at the possibility of buying this place. And I'm just like, so I'm categorically like not a risk taker. Uh (laughs) And I was just like, I am. I was like, but yeah, I had Aria's encouragement and, and I was just like, I don't know. It's like, I, I don't know if I should buy right now. I mean, whatever. And I remember like. Did the mortgage before I picked out a place, um, made sure that I could afford everything, and uh, and found this place, put an offer in it, got accepted, and and like the down payment was going to be every last cent that I had, mine, and I was like a thousand dollars short, and I got paid like you know from my big boy job when I used to have a job, <laughs> um, and uh, and had just enough to like make the down payment and get in there. And Aria at the time had lost her job and I had started working from home and we just like moved in, in between earthquakes uh-huh. <laughs> and, and literally just like didn't have, it was a brand new house, um, little townhouse that we have and it didn't even have blinds. I mean, cause there's, there's all these little yeah. gotchas. Those are the things that people forget, that forget like, about when you're used to living in like apartments and yeah, stuff, I, they have window coverings. Yeah. They have like, well, you shower buy rods. And so <laughs> we had the like temporary paper ones <laughs> for like yeah. two months, I feel like, before finally finally getting the blinds. But 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 I like we made some really, really like rash decisions about like you know, like I'm I was already like a I'm like a no debt person because I just I like being able to follow these creative endeavors right. and not be like, Oh, I could 
go on tour, but I have a car loan for fifty thousand yeah. dollars. You know, like whatever. I'd I'd rather. Um, so the house was like kind of the only thing that I I wanted to ever get in debt for. Um, just cause I can't really save up that much money practically, but, right. but, well, uh, that's we the, just got in and it was great timing and it was just like, that's like the best kind of, that's the best kind of debt to put yourself in because yeah. your mortgage, unless you get into an adjustable rate loan, which you're insane if you do that, yeah. your mortgage doesn't change. Yeah. So like, you know, you were asking us how long we've been in this house and we've been here since 2009. Well, Bree has, I came here a little yeah. bit later, like a year after that or something. Um, but like we've been here since 2009 and our mortgage hasn't significantly changed, even though our home value's gone up and like we've had increases in like property. Sure. In fact, well, it, we were even able to refinance and get, uh, I think it's like $10 less a month and we put on a whole new outside on windows, like, yeah. Oh, all new HVAC. We, we won't be doing that again with interest rates where they are. But <laughs> no, that's just it. Yeah. Like, but that's just it. Like, you have a home, and like whatever that mortgage rate is at that point, you're like, you're locking you're in locking that time in. Period. And if you have mortgage insurance, like if you're in a in a loan situation, which a lot of people are when they buy their first home, where you have to have mortgage insurance, that's a big chunk of money that goes away at some point. And yeah. so it actually gets cheaper after yeah. a little while. Yeah. Um, but make sure if, if you have mortgage insurance, especially with the way the market's been and how much more your house is probably worth, uh, talk to the bank. If your house mm-hmm. is, if you're like under 80% of uh, loan to value ratio, they can pull the mortgage insurance. Oh, off. that's cool. So also don't forget cool. to change your insurance. That's yeah. cool. Pay very close attention to that because the bank, yeah. the bank, is obligated to take it off if you come to them. Yeah. But normally they're not just going to do that. Like you have to go until like your payment goes down to like 80% of the original value. That's when they'll do it automatically. But with home values, the way they've risen over the last couple of years, like it's crazy. If your homes, if you got a lot of equity in the house, see, like have a real estate agent pull comps for you. And if your home is worth more than um, like it's 80% loan to value of home is where the mortgage insurance comes in. But that saves people several hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a significant, but it's, it's that's crazy. A, that's another one of those gotchas. You're like, you gotta, I gotta insure the bank <laughs> uh-huh. against me. Yeah. I pay for it. I think yep. you guys are doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and it's, it's crazy because, like, we, we talk, like, the house at the bottom of the street is a rental. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guy takes super nice care of it. But it's, like, $2,600 or more a month yeah. to rent that house. Yeah. And, like, we pay, like, less than half of that to yeah, own we, this home. We, uh, we've had a very few. So we got, like, about 33 units in this little high-density, like, townhouse area. And so a few people have sold. And one of them's for sale right now down from us. And we're just, like... I'm like looking at like the number that they're asking for this and the mortgage rate. And I'm just like, that is, yeah, uh, that is double of what everybody else's house payment probably yeah, unless, is. Unless you have equity coming into it, you know? that's what you're going to be stuck with. Yeah, well, and especially um, with the interest rates being where they are. And so it's kind of crazy. It's, I wish housing was like more affordable. And I mean, we, 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 I hate a lot of aspects about it, but we took, we took the right risks at the right time and kind of had a little windfall in that. Yeah. And then Arya sold her place in Draper where they didn't like her because she had tattoos. <laughs> well, you know, well, tattoos are trashy. So yeah. He always says that. <laughs> I paid for every tattoo on her body. She had a neighbor that was like, we pay more to live down we here had, so we don't have, yeah. have to live like 
It was just a very Mormon neighborhood, and I didn't understand that when I bought it, because I'm kind of oblivious to certain things, but I just had money. Yeah, but how do you really, like, honestly, every neighborhood in the suburbs is a Mormon neighborhood. Yeah. I'm not from Utah, so. This street is not really. Yeah, but your tattoos aren't trashy. I mean, they're. It, but, they're, hey, uh, they're tattoos. Aria, they're trashy, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> little, little did they know, Arya was probably like, probably like the wealthiest person in that whole neighborhood because she, she just rolled in. She saved up money for years and years and years and just rolled in and like paid cash for her house. Wow! And they're like, like all your new neighbors. They're like, <laughs> uh. Yeah. We don't like you because your car's different. Or her whatever. her specific <laughs> statement, and it was like I think so something dumb. was wrong with this specific lady. Like she was going through something, but her regular thing that she would scream out the window is, "We pay the HOA, so people like you don't live here." <laughs> oh my god! Like I've been paying the HOA for like five <laughs> years here as well, Dana. That's not me. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Dana. We hope she's. <laughs> we hope she's gotten some. Uh, some help well look look yeah. probably she's in a loveless marriage that she doesn't enjoy the sex because she didn't <laughs> have it before they got married and you know her husband doesn't do anything around the house and she's just bitter mm. that's i'm just describing like half the mormon wives in this community well they're um, all grumpy because they got to wear those itchy underwear that's right especially in the hot in the hot it's the worst in the summer yeah like right now <laughs> Um, so, so so we gotta we gotta start with Arya. We gotta ask her the. Oh questions. yeah, because because Arya has never been on the show before. I've, in fact, True. I've never met Arya before. Yeah, I've and known Nick, Nick for a while. Nick's old hat. He's been on two or three times. I'm old yeah. and dirty. He, he's like he's like <laughs> a band member that gets around too. Yeah. <laughs> because this guy's been in more gigs with people. Than... He's the reason we pay HOA fees right there. there. Yeah. <laughs> so Arya, when were you born? What's your birthday? You don't have to do the year. <laughs> uh. I wait. I don't have to do the year. Correct. Just the month and the month date. And day. Oh, I'm sure September. through conversation we'll figure yeah. out. September what year. 11th is my birthday. Wow. No way. Yeah. Wow. So, I had a really interesting. It's the only birthday I can remember. Birthday. Yeah. That's a hard day to forget for yeah. sure. I'm sure the birthday parties <laughs> when you were younger weren't so great, but they're probably better now. Post 2001. Yeah. That's oh, pretty good now. Yeah. So, so that means in December your parents were at a Christmas party, <laughs> most likely. Yeah. Had <laughs> a little slosh and having a little fun. Oh, yeah. Or New Year's. Could have been New Year's. Could have been. Same. Southern comfort eggnog. Could have been. But it was the same temperature as it was in July, I'm sure. Yeah. Where, so where were you born? Because you uh, weren't from here, right? Arkansas. Arkansas. Oh, so are your parents related? Uh, so funny story, no. Oh. But my dad's first wife was his like fifth cousin, I guess. And they didn't have any kids, thankfully. Well, so but. like fifth cousin, like you probably don't That's even a little know bit that removed. person. That was pretty yeah. classy for where I'm from. That's pretty classy. But I thought it was really strange when they told me that later. I don't think anybody that origina- originates from Utah can say that they don't have like a fifth cousin. Oh, yeah. That they probably dated related in their tree or whatever. <laughs> I mean, everyone's true. related in this state. It's, it's really like if you go back, because there was only like the first 300 people that came over so true <laughs> you can just use your eyes you know in this area and just be like these people are very well and to be fair like the early days of mormonhood like the one dude had 15 wives so like just, 300 of the kids like were all his. of them are like half siblings just, yeah. you know one ocean of blood with a lot of little drops that's right <laughs> a lot of the same dna is <laughs> here in Utah. i'm surprised utah doesn't look more like you know west virginia or the back roads of arkansas mm. you know alabama <laughs> <laughs> so did you grow up in Arkansas? So we, um, I was there for quite a while, and my dad was working the pipeline. Mm. 
but he divorced my biological mother when I was like three. Mm-hmm. And he married this new lady from Utah, hence why uh, I ended up in Utah eventually. But he put her in a, a single wide trailer in Poppy and Granny's cow pasture down there. And she did that for like two years. And then I think she just started to lose her mind because huh. he would be gone the whole year. He would just be on different jobs. Right. And uh, eventually he started taking us with him. And I think for me, that was pretty terrible because they took me from like the deep south uh-huh. and they took this little kid in second grade and like just moved me around to all these places. And I got made fun of so hard because just when you have an accent like right. that. Yeah, I so. can I can 100 percent relate halfway through second grade. I went from Texas mm-hmm. to Wyoming. <laughs> I went from a town in Texas of about 150,000 at the time. To a town in Wyoming, no shit, like three hundred fucking people. Yeah, and I didn't lose my I didn't lose my Texas accent until I was like well into like middle school, probably before yeah. I stopped saying all those words. I started trying to kick it because like I just got sick of hearing ain't ain't a word and you ain't supposed yeah. to say it. Warsh it now. <laughs> Warsh, lot of the southern draw. Uh huh. Saying y'all all the time. Now y'all's coming back. Yeah, That's well, good. and I it's like everywhere. It. It's not yeah. just in the south. Exactly. So. I used y'all because it just covers everybody, and I never lived anywhere outside of Utah. They had mm-hmm. they had a ton of, of uh, pride stuff in Austin when we were down. We were down there at the beginning of June, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and y'all means y'all all. Means all. Y'all mm-hmm. means y'all. Rambo. I love y'all that. means all. Love that. <laughs> There's uh, some good stuff down there. So so how did you eventually like where where did you go to school? I mean, you traveled around a bunch. It sounds like when you yeah. were a kid. Like where did you kind of finish out high school and and everything else? So we ended up uh, around middle of third grade, fourth grade, or something like that, we ended up landing in Stansbury. Oh, wow. So, of all places... (sighs) um, At least you moved around a whole bunch, (laughs) so it wasn't as big of a culture shock. Yeah. Um, And we ended up... I I would go back every summer. Basically, all the kids would go back to to see the family during the summer, and and, uh, oftentimes Thanksgiving, things like that, Uh holidays for years and years and then it just got expensive and some some really strange things happened with my family and uh i stopped going back probably end of high school uh-huh. stuff like so that. did you go to high school then in Stanbury? <clears throat> they actually didn't have a high school when i first was there yeah. i'm old enough for that that's so. relatively recent honestly. yeah uh my little sister ended up going to Stansbury. Uh-huh. um but i was like before that uh-huh. so i was going to grantsville wow which is pretty podunk i feel very strange about utahns wearing like boots and cowboy hats i always feel like there's a little bit of like cellophane behind their personality like there's something plastic about that but that was like the entire personality of people there oh yeah oh yeah so i think unless you get into like some of the rural areas like around where there's like cattle ranches and shit you know like nephi delta Mm -hmm. those obscure middle of nowhere nephi is not that middle of nowhere i guess yeah like Delta, like you have to intentionally want to go to Delta because there's nothing else there. You have yeah. to take this turn and drive for like an hour and a half on these crappy roads. Mm. And then you get there and it's like, oh, great, we're in Delta. But I think those people, those people actually do have cowboy lifestyles in a lot of instances because most of them still operate farms and ranches. Yeah, it's just, but, I think the funny thing, like I was, it's, it's strange. I'm going to try and relate this, but it's very small. We did a, a musical act with our duo in the middle of a burlesque show a couple weeks back. Um, and it was like a queer cowboy themed burlesque that they wanted us <laughs> to come awesome. and do an act for. And I, that was super rad. Um, but I came with like 
a trucker hat and pigtails and like shorts <laughs> and boots. And I was talking to somebody and I was like, I feel like the odd one out. But then we talked about it for a minute and I was like, this is what people who actually work on uh-huh. farms and stuff dress right. like. Snap back. And that and... whole like cowboy hat boots That's... and stuff is like when you dress up to go dance. Right. Yeah. Like... The cowboy hats dressing up to go out. The boots though. Yeah. Cowboys wear boots, and they wear the same fucking pair of boots for years. But it's not but what not, people think of as cowboy it's boots. It's not no. the fancy. No. It's usually work boots with steel toes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they gotta have steel toes. There's no point. You get your shit stepped on by a cow once. Mm-hmm. You're done. Uh-huh. They're shredded. So. There's no There's no leather over yeah. the cap. You can yeah, see, you the can see the metal. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. it's like Grantsville's rule, but Grantsville's not like ranches. Rule. No. Like, and that's a- the thing is most of the people that dress like that were coming out of like nice suburban houses. Yeah, like mom and dad work at like a mine or something, mm-hmm. making a lot of money. Like where <laughs> I grew up, the cowboys were cowboys. Like they, they, they went and wrangled freaking cattle and horses and shit yeah. like in Wyoming. But hardly anyone dressed like that. It was just the handful it's of people that did that. No, no. There's better options. Yeah. And those fancy cowboy boots are expensive. Yeah. So What is that, ostrich? <laughs> <laughs> Only five easy payments, and these are mine. <laughs> so what did you do after high school, after getting out of uh, Stansbury Grant? So oh, did my you gosh. hang out at home for a while and just kick it no, in Stansbury? I, I did not have a great home time. And so I was working for my family company <clears throat> from, like, 12 until 17. And at that point, I uh, had... How to explain in short order. So I had some friends that were my friend's parents that were like, here, let's get your emancipation paperwork all together. And so I did. And I went to my stepmother, who was like, really not nice. And I was like, hey, so I'm going to leave and I can either like fill out this paperwork or you can just not mess with me and I'll, I'll leave. And she was like, I don't care. So <laughs> I bought the like most decrepit van from our business or family business that they were going to get rid of anyway for like $500. And I moved to Murray um, with my band and I was living in a house with my band at the time, which was really interesting, uh, especially when you're like kind of broke and stuff. And so... <laughs> Uh, did that until I graduated, and then we decided we were going to go play this. We were going to try to go play this festival, which was like pipe dream at the time. I'm impressed that you graduated mm-hmm. after being like leaving the house, living with a band yeah. in a house. Uh-huh. Like that's impressive that you actually finished high yeah, school. Yeah, didn't just, uh, just didn't just walk away. Yeah, I feel like that would have been the more logical thing to do. I actually ended up graduating like three credits shy of my associates oh, so nice. i was doing well that's even more impressive so like so, you were you had your shit together i yeah i kind of didn't sense. have an option yeah right well, it was so, like sometimes a, growing up in a not pleasant childhood yeah family situations you see things <laughs> way different <laughs> yeah and it's like i'm not gonna be like that i'm not mm-hmm. gonna let myself be like my parents well, and you, yeah you also yeah. absorb yourself into other things and it's usually yeah. uh, in small towns it's either drugs or you know productive shit and so and i kind of did a little of both so yeah. well, <laughs> so did chris I, no i did not do drugs until i got out of high school i was an alcoholic in high school <laughs> that's not Sorry, a drug correction i was never productive <clears throat> yeah, well, you take that back i mean but i i was at least gifted with like intelligence because i didn't i still don't know how i graduated because my senior year was go to school i went to two classes went to ap chemistry and ap physics they were on alternating days so the hard classes but i liked them and then i would just go get drunk the rest of the day yeah i didn't go to my other classes i had one b in like four years of school and it's because i never went to the class 
<laughs> so I lucked out because I had some brains to go with like my stupidity. Uh, <laughs> but I just, you know, I was disillusioned at that point. Didn't want to finish school, so. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you uh, you move out. You get your uh, you get your diploma. Um, you're still living in a house with a band. Like, how long does mm-hmm. that band last? Because high school bands, <laughs> high school bands have a tendency to not last very long. And like with the whole band living together, that seems really sketchy. So that <laughs> specific band was my fourth band um, at that time. That was like functional and gigged, and uh, like I say, gigged, like played shows in front of people. And yeah, uh, when you're in high school, a gig is just getting to play at the coffee yeah, shop. Yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah. So, you know, I had like a little cover band where we played a lot of metal and stuff. And then like we tried to do this weird jazzy thing with my friend Maddie. And then that was cool. We got like our first real paying gig and we made like $30 in <laughs> sandwiches from the coffee shop. And uh, it was really, really fun. I had like a really terrible solo that'll never, I'll, I'll never wipe it from my memory. But uh, anyway, so, you know, it wasn't my first band. Um, and that band, thankfully, was kind of small. It was like a three person band and we played as a two person band most of the time. It was just me and then a drummer and a, a bassist. But we, uh, yeah, we went to go and try to play this festival. The, the short version of the story is that, uh, the drummer's dad had passed away. And he also had, like, rough family stuff. And so the family didn't even invite him to the funeral, didn't tell him his dad was dead until after the funeral was over. That's rough. So he was like, screw these guys, I'm going to go visit my dad's uh, grave and, like, all of his friends and stuff, because there were a bunch of friends that were all from the music scene that, like, the family didn't really invite. And then he was like, it'll be really cool because in the summer there's this whole festival that goes on and the rest of the year it's kind of like tourist season and so we can easily get jobs in because i had been cooking a bunch in in restaurants and stuff as a second job and uh basically we went up there we tried to get jobs we got jobs we didn't have housing so we were living in a van in the woods for like two months (laughs) by the river uh bathed in the river regularly before it was cool were you by chance like off of uh what's the street out there off of like ninth west and um there's a the long street no we were in island park idaho outside of west yellowstone that's perfect so beautiful but it was getting toward the end of fall when we got up there and so i was i remember i was prep cooking and so i was like so where, where were you ready. working because my, mm-hmm. my family's from texas and idaho i was born in idaho so mm-hmm. my grand my grandparents had had property in island park so oh, cool we spent quite a bit of time when i was a kid it's actually a really pretty place i was it, surprised it is it's beautiful up there there's not a whole lot up there but it's no. beautiful so where were you working like i was working in a restaurant that got closed down due to embezzlement called old town <laughs> cafe and I was the prep cook there. I got trained. Uh, that's still the chili recipe that I use, even though I've adapted it to be vegan, um, is the Texas chili recipe from the, the sous chef who oh, was nice. from Texas. That's awesome. Um, and anyway, I, I was working there. That was probably like three months of work there before this huge blizzard hit. And I'm outside taking a smoke break. And the drummer comes and he's like, hey. We, I guess we've got to get the van out now. And I was like, I'm in the middle of my shift. Like, there's no way. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, the roads from where we are to the main road, which was only like a quarter mile. He's like, there's no way that the van's coming out until like summer next year if we don't get it out now. (laughs) So we went up, took off work. They were super mad. We still didn't have a place to live. We bring the van down. 
Um, and we're like walking the van out over like oh, a man. foot of snow already. <laughs> um, and yeah, somebody took pity and like found us a place to live, but it was not big enough. And so all of these things happened over the next couple of months. And I ended up leaving to work the pipeline for my dad. Um, cause my dad and my stepmom had split, um, cause she was about as mean to him as she was to everyone else. And this so. was the same stepmom that had been since you were a kid. Yeah. The problem mm-hmm. is when she left. The stepmom couldn't be mean to her, so she took it out on the husband. <laughs> gotcha. So then dad was like, oh, God, no wonder my daughter left. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I ended up, um, I went and worked for the pipeline. Our family business was a, a pipeline-oriented business, like it was a supply company. Oh, gotcha. And so this was kind of just the other side of a business that I had been learning from, like, being really young. Um, and my gen- my family, for a couple generations back, did that like poppy worked the pipeline in alaska for a long time oh wow before all of these other generations of people came through so it's like normal like something that my family had done for a long time but um you know i feel pretty ethically different about it now that i've grown up and been able to take a look at the rest of the world and be like uh, i don't know if i want to do that <laughs> but it made great money and it was a really good way to get out of a super rough toxic situation so anyway i booked it from Island Park, Idaho, West Yellowstone, Montana to Durant, Oklahoma. Wow. So So you've been around, is what you're saying. A whole bunch. (laughs) So how long were you there uh, in Durant? That was, I was only there for like three, four months, um, but it was like 120 hour weeks, like crazy, like union work. Yeah. Um, Really good money. And then I was like, okay, cool. I've got a bunch of money in my bank account. I'm going to go back and go to school and finish it. Like. Because I wanted to go to college. Like, that's what everybody told me I was supposed to do. And that was a huge mistake. But. Yeah. Well, so did you go <laughs> yeah. back and finish it? Like, finish college? Or No, I still don't have a college uh, education, like a degree of any sort. But I have a ton of credit hours. <laughs> I I think that the best way to tell this without, like, going into super detail is to go without going into super detail. Uh, I started off as a fine arts major doing oil painting. I really enjoyed that. I found a bunch of, like, really cool people and, and professors. And then I was, like, uh, talking to the wrong people. And they're like, that'll never make money. And they're, like, uh, convinced me to change majors. But I didn't really take it. into like account so i was like okay cool yeah i'll do music instead (laughs) so i tried to apply for uh the classical program and um, where were you where did you go to school you you uh my concurrent enrollment was all like uh usu and i was like i do not want to live in logan (laughs) so anyway um yeah i i uh i went through did fine art did music but didn't actually get into the program and i was like cool computer engineering then and i did that for a while but i didn't graduate because i eventually got a job offer from my family company in another state to open like a location Uh i was like okay cool so i don't have to talk to any of the toxic people that like really ruined my life but i can do the thing that i'm really good at Uh and and also incorporate these skills that I've learned from, like, working side mm-hmm. jobs and, like, kitchens and stuff, like, just managing people and, and stuff like that. So I went and did that, and I was like, I will only do one year. I, like, made a, made sure there was, like, a contract involved, and it all worked out because they were just trying to open another location to boister their business before they sold it to a big multi-conglomerate that was picking up all the businesses that mm-hmm. did that. So, anyway, I, I moved wow. to Pennsylvania to do that job for a year. Uh, started a location, built the building into what it needed to be, hired all the people, um, worked with all of the clients that were in that area, and then came back to Utah again. And that's where wow. you that's where you had your money to buy a house? So I made a bunch of money there, and then Dad 
uh, passed away or got murdered. Uh, that's I'm not trying to make that sound mysterious. Like I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that's a passed away or got murdered. Like <laughs> he definitely died. He's right? definitely dead, and uh, it was like super traumatic. And then his he had left evil stepmother, and he had married a lady that he met in rehab, which uh-huh. is a great place to start. And uh, they had broken things off after a few years. And she came over for some weird reason, like the night that he died, and then had like brought his prescriptions for him. Anyway, ton of weird That's awfully details. suspicious, yeah. It just didn't feel right to me. Um, and then when we went down there, her and like friends or whatever were like back on mm-hmm. whatever drugs they were on when they went into rehab, and they were just picking the house apart. So it just didn't feel yeah. right, but... Anyway, that's tough. That's that's a rough thing to go through because you're yeah. not very old for your dad to pass away. And I mean, clearly you had it was really young for him. I feel like like yeah. he didn't take great care of himself, but I still feel like it was a little. Anybody who works the, par- the pipeline, that's a hard, hard life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it definitely can be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So. First off, I want to say I don't think college is for everyone. And I think that there's. A whole generation, my generation of people that were told you have to go to college. Absolutely. And I think for, I would venture to say like 80%, that's bullshit. Like you don't need a fucking college education to do what you want to do in life most of the time. It's really true. I mean, within reason, right? Yeah. But I feel like the trades have been really neglected. Yeah. I have like a whole huge angry part of my heart about unions and the lack mm-hmm. of unions and the the government's tendency to crush them. Right. The well, and the problem right now is nobody wants to do manual jobs. Like, like I, I've got contractors that I work with. They can't get people. And they're like, I will pay $25 an hour, but I cannot get someone to come out and work a framing job. Because they were taught that manual labor is bad. And, yeah. Well, they were taught that it doesn't pay well, that it's yeah. not respected, but also they weren't trained or like, or they don't have good like perspectives, like they don't have good role models. Like I grew up having role models that that were in silly things like plumbing and carpentry and like all of these other manual the super labor jobs. Important jobs. But yeah. So I have a different it, perspective of it. Yeah. But like the kids that that grew up in these weird suburban places yeah. where their only experience was school and home, they didn't see any of this stuff. Like we've been trying to separate different parts of life in our our kind of uh, our country's substrate forever. Like the farms are getting farther from the houses. The houses are getting farther from the factories. The factories right. are shutting down. Like all of these different things are happening and they're not just completely happenstance. Like they're intentional, but you know, we've, I think as a country, which I know that's a very vague way to put it, but I, I think that we've been trying to push to not be uh, a country that does these jobs. We've been trying to develop a, a workforce of people that are computer oriented right. and stuff mm-hmm. like that, because there was like a financial reason. Somebody thought that was a great idea and it, it wasn't really like no. that kind of job is great. And having that but, workforce, but getting is great, rid but, of all of our other stuff, like all of our factories and not having, not having control of certain parts of our supply chain. I think COVID really highlighted like the problems with that mm-hmm. and, and where that falls apart. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think the trades are, are very neglected. I think a lot of our generation didn't go to trade school. You know, they didn't go to learn to become an electrician or a plumber. And that stuff's 
sorely needed. Like it's yeah. it's super needed. Well, and and I feel like even just being cognizant of the fact that those trades exist when you're younger, people would have less of a need for a plumber to come out to like mm-hmm. undo their like garbage disposal, something that's yeah. like really easy yeah, to do. It takes like at home. two seconds to do yourself. Exactly. Well, and that's frustrating the people that are doing those jobs because then half of their calls are like, my water won't turn on. And it's like, did your city shut it off? I don't know. Fix it. Like, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Which is that, like, not to call really people true. ignorant, but it's like, but time, again, by design. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that is true. I didn't even think about that. Like my own kids, like I try every time something like that comes up, I'm like, okay, this is how you do this for the rest of your life. Like learn this because it's not going to change. Like garbage disposals all work the same way. Like this yeah. is where you turn the crank. This is how you reset it. Like mm-hmm. you can stick your hand in it. That's fine. It's not going to cut your hand off. Unless Just you don't turn push the, the button on. and yeah. put yeah. your hand in there. <laughs> They make it, usually they put the button far enough away that it's difficult to do it by yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ideally. <laughs> well, that's really cool. So I want to know, how did you, how did you meet Nick? Yeah. Um, I mean, was it at now just one of bring this all together. Nick's yeah. awesome shows, like where he was with one of 500 million other people that he's hanging out with or. So, uh. Nick, this is a her show? <laughs> this is a bit of a an admission, but I had never heard of Nick's band at all until I had a friend who's like, "You want to go hang out with Nick Passy? He's going to cook food." Um, I think. And so uh You're like, "Who the hell's that?" I guy? didn't actually know about Folk Hogan at all. Don't you know and who I, I am? I didn't know about like the solo project. <laughs> I just knew that he was a person that was on my social media. Gotcha. And I didn't get a lot of notifications. And so I think the actual, like, literal first time I ever met Nick, I was at an event in Salt Lake at the Metro Music Hall, and I saw a long red beard, and I was like, there's only one person that I could assume from my social media that is. (laughs) And I kind of, like, crept up to the side and looked, and he had earplugs in, and I did not realize, and I just said, oh, you're Nick Passy, right? And he, like, looked over at me really slow and was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But it was Nick Passy. Is that how you remember it, Nick? Yeah, You're like I don't even really remember her from that time. Like, <laughs> I mean, she's she's kind of she's kind of using the kid gloves on, and I I, I kind of came off as a little bit rude because <laughs> I uh, I was at like this big event and just kind of focusing on the event, and somebody like came up and interrupted me, and I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, cool, I'm gonna go back to watching <laughs> this event, um, because that's why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And um and so um you know luckily luckily uh you know we gave it another shot or whatever and we ended up through a mutual friends um she came over to my house and I cooked for her and um uh, and then she kept coming back without her friend and and uh, the rest is history I guess. Our dogs are just loving it right now. We we brought we brought our French bulldog Piggy and, uh, and Phoebe's in heaven, man. And Phoebe's in, they're just playing. <laughs> they're like non-things. They're barking at each other, <laughs> growling. Like it's really, it's 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 awesome. like total turmoil underneath the table. It's a good thing all the cables are like tied up underneath it. Well, one of them got knocked down. That's why I bent down underneath for a sec. I was like, what is happening? I can see they're moving. They're on like little hooks down there. So, um, yeah. So if you hear dogs, deal with it because they're they're having a ball. They're having the best day ever. They're they're loving life right now. So at what point did you decide you wanted to perform together? How did that kind of all come about? You want to take one? 
Um, so we had been like living together and partners and, um, going through, uh, you know, these different life situations together. And, you know, we ended up buying the house and everything. And, and, uh, Arya's band had just broken up and she had put together a really cool band called Moonkin that was like a four piece, like folk punk band. And they had kind of split up. Um, and, and I, I had been playing, um, with a, I'd, I've had a bunch of different versions of like my quote unquote solo project. I had been playing with a cellist for a few years. Yeah. What happened to the infinite and, sadness? And, um, she just, she just became too, too busy, too, infinitely too busy. Sad. She has, <laughs> she too has, infinite, uh, she has a wedding company that she's running where she hires out her string quartets oh wow um she's doing youtube stuff every week because we talked about for a long time uh, having the infinite yeah i can't remember her actual name we just we're just always we've always referred to her we're just always calling her the infinite sadness (laughs) we're like nick's so mean he just calls her the infinite sadness it's (laughs) it's funny because so talking about the random times that we've run into nick yeah so when we adopted Phoebe, he was in, there when we adopted in yeah. August of yeah. uh, August of 2019. When we adopted Phoebe, uh. it was at this big pet adoption event in West Jordan at their like their city center yep. thing over there. And Nick and the Infinite Sadness were playing, there, and we're like, there, "Oh, there, hey!" Yeah. And we like hung out with Nick for a few minutes, and that's like, the day we just, adopted. Like, this we're dog. just here to look. We're not gonna do, we're not gonna go crazy <laughs> and adopt another dog or anything. And, and then, then we like, did. Twenty minutes later, you're like, "Look at this dog." <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty much exactly what happened. (laughs) Well, it was like I went over to to see her and uh, somebody else came over and I was like reaching through the cage. You know, you're not supposed to. This is my dog. Don't touch it. Don't touch my dog. (laughs) God dang. So funny. Well, she's a great dog. She's a great dog. She's taking a lot of work. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize that she's a she's a mix of a pit bull and a header. We knew she was part pit bull. So a, a black mouth cur, cur is a herding dog, but they're a cool. header. Mm-hmm. So, they so it's not like a collie nip that nips faces. at your meal. They nip at the head. <laughs> so oh. we had to like fix that part of her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that's, that's just interesting because that was a that was one of the random instances that we ran into Nick over the yeah of all, like, of all so things. so all the time you guys were together, so, you both had. Projects, so we, band yeah, yeah and so you know the we kind of you know split ways uh me and the cellist and uh she still and, won't say her name that's the best thing caitlin <laughs> she does and, have a really cool youtube <laughs> yeah and you know go check it out um and and uh and aria was just like well you know, I've got this mandolin. I'm like, I, I think your songs would sound really cool with mandolin. And like, mandolin is one of my favorite instruments um, to go along with guitar. And um, and it's it's unique. And and uh, so we just so we just we just started doing gigs that way, and it was really easy to coordinate things because. Yeah, it's somebody be like, "Hey, can you come? House? Can you come yeah. play this show?" Get in the and car, I, let's go. I'm lo- I'm used to managing bands where it's like I have to check with five other five people. to seven <laughs> business weeks, and I'm like, "Okay, like uh, the gigs in twenty minutes. Are you guys in or out?" You know. <laughs> and this I, time you're just like leaning you know, like, on the yeah, couch, and you're like, and I'm like, "Hey, you do, you, do you want to? Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes it's hard, and um, you know, like honestly, my my bands are great and stuff, but. But sometimes it's hard to get people to do the thing that they love. Um, it's 
and 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 uh i think it's really hard to be in a band because you get to a threshold where the band starts taking off and it really is taking time away from everything else everything else in your life and and it makes a lot of choices for you how much time you're devoting to rehearsals and loading up the van and unloading the van and and making merchandise and posting shows yeah cuz it's not just like Oh, these guys are playing. It's showing it's up. It's not like two hours. It's like a. It's a lot it's of work. Yeah. A whole day. It's a shift to load you in, know, play a show, load out. It's typically like it's like a six-hour commitment. If you're going to go play, it doesn't matter if you're going to go play for fifteen minutes somewhere or three hours. Like by the time that you like meet up with everybody, you load all the stuff into a van. You go unload everything. You do all the pre-stuff you etc etc and 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 wait around until the wee hours of the morning and try to get your thirty dollars and your burrito or whatever <laughs> and, yeah. that's about it and nice uh, callback. and yeah and and so uh getting back on course um you know it just used to be like hey do you want to play this show yeah okay great Okay, great. And we just were able to kind of pick up and keep doing things. And and I knew I had, though it got rescheduled many, many times per COVID, I knew I had like a big tour coming up. I knew I wanted to do, I, I wanted to take what I'd been doing for several years and build on it and kind of take s- certain things to the next level because that's kind of the deal. Like when you're a musician, like you you form a band, you get all practice up, you go play that first party in high school or you play the coffee shop or you play wherever. And at that point, you kind of either decide like, hey, I want to do this or mm-hmm. like this was this is a lot of work. Or you make a logical like, decision and say, like, I'm going to go get a job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a I'm going to have a family. I'm going to have a house. I'm going to have kids like a like if but if you're like crazy enough and addicted enough to the idea of performing then you then you kind of look past all of these logical details of like there's it takes a lot of time there's not really any money in it it's it's like you have to be really content with every level of it because um you know if you're not happy playing for like an empty room occasionally you're not you know, if something took off and blew up, it's not, there's no, there's no magic equation that the second that there's 2000 people that you're going to start having a good time doing this thing. You can, you can really, um, you can really amplify whatever, whatever your, your level of happiness is or unhappiness. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, uh, performing to an empty room. So a few years ago, Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to uh, uh, Anime Bonsai Anime Bonsai Up in Layton And we told them We're podcast We just want We just Give us a space, space So we can do some recording And it some intercourse A table and some power Well interview yeah. people Will kind of And they They didn't understand So they gave us Our own A whole, a whole panel A panel room Oh yeah And like we're Like Anime Bonsai Is not like Those those kinds of people Aren't necessarily Our target audience Like yeah. We have a pretty wide reach But like we're not like like they're 
people that go to anime bonsai are like a lot super niche like yeah the furries aren't really listening to our podcast (laughs) i mean maybe they are so we show up and we're in this room and it's like it's like a hundred person panel room and it's wow it's completely empty empty. so we just we made the most of it we're like oh oh, thanks everyone for coming no hold your questions till the i mean it's podcast no one can see it so we just played the whole thing yeah it was fantastic but that happens more fun for people that are listening too like i don't know i i feel like that's my perspective nowadays like it certainly hurt my feelings like when i was younger playing a show and nobody would come or nobody would pay attention but you know now it's like if there are a couple people in the bar and we're playing like i'm still playing to those people like they're not non-existent because they're the only ones in the bar they're actually now very much so more important than they would be in a room yeah, of like right. 200 people it's not your fault it's a shitty bar yeah like it just well, happens I, sometimes I, or I, have a, yeah. I have a musician that i kind of follow and sometimes he'll he'll hop on podcasts and talk about some of how some of the behind the scenes stuff and how he gets gigs and all these things and and he's he's really exuberant guy he's really fun and he plays a lot of cover songs um and and I've seen him play gigs where he is like set up outside of like a uh, like a sports arena, and he's just like he's um, <clears throat> magnetic enough in personality that people will just will come over there and tip him to where it's like probably better than most like really sanctioned gigs. Well, he uh, he somehow got involved doing these midday shows at the the public libraries in his area huh. and uh and they've been really successful but one of the first ones that he did um he worked out the details they were going to pay him they have a certain amount of budget um you know it's the middle of the day so it's not really competing hour and um he he got there and got ready to go and and uh the time came for him to perform and no one showed up and it was just him and this sweet librarian lady. <laughs> and she was like, you know, if no one's here, it's not like you have to perform. Like, you'll, we'll, we, this is the risk that we took. We'll, we'll still pay you. And he's like, and so, uh, this was the whole point of this is like, he was like, he was like, no, like, let's make the best out of this experience. So I'm going to set up and like, you get on like the, the, the social media page and do a live and just get like a tight shot and we'll show everybody that didn't show up like how great of a time this was and they kind of like fake this moon landing mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and uh hey, that was real buddy and the next one and the <laughs> um, who knows i do i do believe in most science though, so. <laughs> i believe I, in science flat earth science over there no <laughs> i uh but that's cool, yeah. But, but and so you know they made the best of it, and like there have been times where, um, because if you if you're going to book a tour for a band, not every night of the week is a Friday mm-hmm. or a Saturday. Yeah. Well, Tuesday nights aren't exactly hopping at bars. No. Like, well, and, if you're touring out of country like you guys have done in the past, yeah. there's a good chance people have no clue who you are. And um, <laughs> somebody that's yeah, somebody that's willing to take a chance and pay you, like you got to show up with your A game, whether there's no one there or not, and. And uh, I mean, even even going back to some of the same places post COVID, we had some nights that were just like dead in rooms that used to be packed every night. And they're like, "This is our sixth show back, and we're just trying to we're just trying to convince people just to come outside again." Yeah. And, 
and and get out of the house and they've developed new patterns and stuff and and so and so I, <laughs> the dogs are freaking out when it, next time i can catch piggy i'll just put her up to the mic so you can just hear her just hear oh how hard she's breathing right now after playing with this dog for the last 45 minutes solid um but uh, she's having a ball yeah yeah we we uh we spent a bunch of the day today at the gym and piggy went into the kennel the French bulldog, Piggy, went into the kennel, and then we got home, and we had just enough time to shower, thankfully, and 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 get into this because we're in an enclosed room with you, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and head out to the podcast, and we just couldn't, we just couldn't bear to leave Piggy no. at home, um, and we weren't going to put her back in the kennel, so we decided decided to bring her and. It was. I'm glad that we made that That's choice. A good choice. It's a dog friendly house. Any future guests that are yeah. listening, you're always welcome yeah. to bring. If your animal's if not your a animal, dick, yeah, yeah, your animal has to be also friendly with yeah. other animals. Yeah, because yeah. we have lots of them. People showing up with like Gila monsters. <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't even mind that. The dog's going to try to play with it. My yeah. dog will try to play with anything. Yeah, you guys have a you guys have a really great home decor, but there's a thing that says. Uh, Dogs welcome people, people tolerated, tolerated. Yeah. and I was like, "Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's spot on too." Yeah, we have a so we we live right off of we re- the next street over is Paxton Avenue, and um, during the pandemic, um, some of Salt Lake's greatest bartenders um, started a Paxton pub on Paxton Street, and it's. It's one of these. It's over there by the. the there's a Target right there. There's mm-hmm. a like a chef store, and then in the retail space at the bottom of this apartment complex is this Paxton Pub that is stumbling distance from our house, <laughs> and they're dog friendly. Oh, that's and awesome! It, oh, that's and so, awesome. and so the first time I bring Piggy in there, like we had just got her. I we'd had her for like a week, and um, you know. I use the word training around French bulldogs lightly, but like we hadn't really gone through a lot of training with her. Um, French bulldogs can be very stubborn and they're, they're very intelligent. Um, and so it's hard to, you know, they're, they're, they're a humbling dog to take care of because they're a furry toddler. They're, they're, they're smart and they're naughty. And so anyways, we brought, we brought the dog in. And and immediately they were just like, oh dog, what's your dog's name? Oh, can we give her a piece of pepperoni? Is that okay? Like, I'm just like the, and I'm like, you know. So if you're if you're the kind of business that is trying to figure out how to get people there on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or whatever, maybe maybe there's some niche like that 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 you can sh- you shift a little bit. But yeah, I was going to say, going back to like the band thing, you know, one of my favorite things uh, with with bands in particular, I love small shows. And so like I love seeing videos where like even really big bands will like go play in the New York subway. Like they'll wear they'll they'll go incognito and they'll start playing and then they get this huge crowd that like just builds up because they're just like they're doing their band thing, but acoustically, you know, or they're like pretending to be like crappy buskers or something. I love it. it. Those are, those are some of my favorite types. That's why like Kilby court is such an amazing venue because it's just so small and intimate in a lot of respects. And those are really fun shows to be a part of. Um, it was just making me think because you guys are like basically at the farmer's market every week this, uh, this year. (laughs) And it's, and it's interesting because like that is like kind of like, 
you know, there's, there's all types of different gigs that we do. Um, but you know, in, in about 21 years of playing live music in venues, I've played a lot of rooms that are sized to Kilby court. I've played with so many bands that have come up and exploded and, and, uh, and, and gotten a lot of notoriety and done really amazing things. And, and I've played with a bunch of bands that have gone nowhere that still have great, awesome music. And, and so, you know, every band needs someone to listen to them. Um, and, uh, and, and it's really interesting sometimes playing something like the farmer's market where, where, uh, you know, they, they don't want to interrupt the natural flow of, of the market. So you can't bring amplification. It's all acoustic. So, you know, big crowds of people, it's hard for you to be heard and actually do your thing. And it's really, it isn't a listening room. It's not. It's not the same thing as going to, um, you know, the Commonwealth. Because people are all the doing state room their thing, yeah. Where, where something, where the music is primary and something else is secondary. Like, you're really, like a busker, you're just trying to grab someone's attention in their dollar as they're headed to the subway, as they're headed to go get their produce or, or, or whatever. And so, it's, it's, it's fun because it's, you know, we, we get out, we meet a lot of people and, but it's funny because like we will have people that will come up to us and have these conversations like you guys should really do like a gig or you should really, <laughs> do you guys ever, you know, do you ever, re, have you ever thought about recording some of this stuff or whatever? I, I and, think honestly, it's like an it's, American perspective. I, you know, I know I've cut you off, but like it's, it's this pity thing. Like we equate for some reason, which is totally incorrect. We equate busking with homelessness. Yeah. And so yeah, we do. people are under this impression that if you're busking that you must be in hard times, but but it's a way to make money as a creative. Mm-hmm. It's like ultimately the question you're asking like why aren't you playing a gig in a bar? You're good enough to do that <laughs> is why are you poor? <laughs> well, because bars don't pay you to play on Saturday afternoon at 11 a.m. <laughs> bars pay you to play at Saturday night at like seven to ten PM and that's yeah, and maybe time. and maybe yeah. Friday and so that's two days a week that you can get a bar gig yeah. and actually have people show up and get paid for it. Like bars would have you come in and play on a Tuesday night, but they yeah. might not pay you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean they're a business too, and uh for them it is um you know, these are these are kind of exact statements and generalizations but for them uh live music is something that they are bringing in um Mm -hmm. to bring in more customers exactly it's um you know they've got to they've got to stock the bar they got to put the ice in the thing and they got to buy pbr and they've got (laughs) to they got to buy this whiskey and they've got to go to the liquor store they've got to do certain things with the kitchen or not and you know they've and and it's just a thing on their punch list um, versus, you know, maybe if you're, if you're getting hired for a private event, you know, that's more of the primary focus or whatever. Um, and so just, just in a sure numbers game, the way that we appreciate music in America is usually a little bit lower. Um, because it's just like, there's a poker game going on and there's 32 televisions and then there's a band right. playing in the corner and then there's a guy making balloon animals. It's one of the there, 15 million. We've got the cigar club of Utah yeah. smoking back there. And, 
Um, it's too many distractions. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. going to be somebody throwing knives in that corner. And, <laughs> and, it, and it's like, that is so American of us. Like, yeah, it's very much like, so. Try one of these 37 beers. Three of them are good. And <laughs> Good luck. And here's here's 15 things going on at once. And, and then we wonder why people are like, you know, not into that and they want to stay home. Mm-hmm. So speaking of 15 things going on at once, how many buttons do you guys make a day? Because you have that new button press, right? A lot. I always pay attention to your social media. I see vegan stuff and buttons. Yeah, we're doing a lot of cooking. um, Mm -hmm. And our our day job, aside from playing music, is... um, is making pinback buttons. And so we have this big industrial machine and we are getting tons and tons of orders. We built a new website called NP Buttons that's been the name of the button uh, nick passy and mm-hmm. p buttons that's been the the button brand for a while and so now it's me and aria working on it and we've got we've got a website we've got an etsy store and we've got we're on a business to business uh site like uh fair nice um and and we we've got all these different clients and we're making buttons for krcl and we're oh, nice. making buttons for local bands and businesses and we're even extending that to um, a bunch of other creative services because I've been a I've been a graphic designer and a web developer for the last fifteen years, and so um, now, and Arya's you know went to went to school to be an artist and has has dove into the digital art world and 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 uh, has picked up a lot of graphic design stuff and a lot of web stuff, and so we're taking all those different skills and just basically. We're we're this micro agency at this point, and, awesome. and the buttons kind of get people through the door. But we end up making websites for people. We end up making stickers and shirts and hats and I love making merch in general. Like, love that. That was always that was always my dream job. Like even working at the agencies, I was like, how big of a company would I have to work for? To be the graphic designer on the like swag team, I want to be. I want to be like the customer appreciation person. That's so band oriented too, because that's such a big like for for any anyone that's in a band. Like bands, especially nowadays, they don't make money off of album sales. They don't. They don't really make money off of gigs. Yeah, it's it's all about the merch. Like the money they make. Even even bigger bands that go on like long tours, like most of their money is made in the merch. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like they don't make a ton on the the actual show. I mean, you know, we've thanks Live Nation. We some of yeah. 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 I oh, mean, shit. over a certain room size, you're really you're you're signing up for some crazy stuff, and and uh, and on smaller scales, less people through the door, less money, and um. But you know, I can tell you, um, because like part of our job is to like educate bands and tell them like how to kind of take those steps to have merch to sell. Um, we talk about this a lot and like we spend a lot of time one-on-one or even like even just kind of randomly ranting on the internet. But, um, you know, Folk Hogan played a bunch of shows last year. Um, even with like some kind of COVID stuff going on and having to cancel things and having to take some extra precautions. Like it, it, it seems, it seems so long ago, but even last year we were still kind of, we were still kind of hesitant and, and having, to you know mask up for certain shows even you know Mm -hmm. numbers going up and down and you know we're all like on our second or third vaccination but there's there's still you know (laughs) scares going on and stuff like that so we didn't play like a 
an unlimited number of shows. We we played about we played about twenty six or twenty seven like shows, a month or so, yeah. and then about uh, twelve in Europe, and and we got paid better than we had. In, I mean, we raise our prices every year. We got paid better than we had in the past, but still like 60% of our money coming through into the business um, was merchandise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a huge part of it. 8% of that was album sales. Yeah, yeah, it's not the albums. And, and when you're talking about digital and streaming and we've, we've got, we've signed up for all the things, we've got all the things, you can go find it there, it's there because it's convenient to the fans and it draws them into the shows and then they, they buy the t-shirts and the the jackets and the hoodies and the butt plugs and all the things that we sell and hold and, on uh, hold on you can't just skate past that <laughs> you have branded butt plugs yeah, that's yeah, pretty course. awesome like you like Are you guys like molding those yourself and um we we have we have a we have like have a butt plug molder we have a this is the most portland thing we have a guy in portland that machines them <laughs> no way and then, you're, you're being serious and right you, now. I'm being totally serious. Oh, and then he sends them to Folk Hogan, and then we print out the artwork, and then we set the epoxy in like high bottom. Oh that's and so like, cool. that's and so then, awesome. and so we have like, we, we had like four different sizes of, <laughs> of butt plugs. Branded butt plugs. And, and honestly, they all sold and they sold well, but they <laughs> got, but mentioning them during the show and the shock factor got people to the merch booth, which sells everything. And they're like, "You're serious." And right? then our number one sellers were like a baseball tee with a really, really gorgeous design on it. Um, we we sell like jean vests with a giant back patch already like already on there. And then you can get one of those, and you start adding all your own pins and buttons and yeah, like who doesn't stuff. want a jacket with that yeah. Yeah. beautiful and, artwork for mm-hmm. the and, and uh, behold is that's the that's so cool. The and then I love that artwork. And then after that, um, you know, it funnels down to a bunch of things, and music is pretty low on the list, and the money from streaming is almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. We're talking like fractions and fractions of a cent, and you know, the bands that are making money off of that are would be making so much more if they were actually getting paid anything reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's um, not like when we were kids where I can really date myself with this, where you could go buy the tape, <laughs> but there was no way to get a single song back then. No. You, you bought the whole album, be it a record, be it a tape, be it a CD, and maybe the rest of the songs were good. Usually they weren't, but you got the one song that you wanted. That's where the term B-side comes from, folks. Yeah. But, but now... You can find any song you want mm-hmm. online, and let's be honest, you don't have to pay for it. No. It, it's no. it's everywhere. So, yeah, I, I know that there's a... We've talked about this before, but like the, these big bands that stopped touring years ago and then all came out of retirement because they're not making the money, the royalties sure, and everything sure. that they used to. Just, you know, and that's why you got Kiss in their 120s that are still touring. Yeah. They don't have the money that they did. You, you used to be able to make your money... Off all the record sales and retire and live happily after after, I, but that's, I, that's gone. That's and I, I had just like I, we live in the trenches of this and and assume that everybody like knows this all, but like I overheard a conversation very recently where somebody was like quoting the South Park when they were making fun of Metallica and like <laughs> what was that like two thousand and the fucking Napster days when Metallica, Metallica went ship on Metallica Napster, yeah. Napster and they just like. They were talking about it like that was the current climate 
and nothing had changed. And no, I, so I remember. So when streaming really started like, to take what? off, I remember like the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. When they made that last album and they said, this is the last actual album we're going to make ever. Yeah. Because there's just no point. Like we want to tell this story from like start to finish, but that's not how people consume music. Do you remember those like yeah. four teenage kids? Like illegally downloaded a whole ton of music and then got arrested and it was that whole big thing. It probably would have been around two thousand three, two thousand four. Mm-hmm. And you you stole the music online and it was this whole big. That's thing. when that's when you know the government tried to uh, go after people for copyright infringement as individual private citizens and they didn't realize like they shut Napster down and all it did was create BitTorrent services because it made it mm-hmm. harder to track what was going on. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know so pirate. Pirating music was really, really common, and and so you know there was an era where digital sales were convenient and good, and they were basically just capturing anybody that didn't know how to torrent something. Mm-hmm. And and then what kind of flipped was you know Spotify coming out and basically making it easier to get access to the music without paying for it than. And then illegally saying, downloading it, and then saying you can pay for it, and you know have it on your device and, yeah. and curate things, yeah. and, and it's a low cost. Like who yeah. doesn't want to pay yeah. five bucks to have access to anything, to everything and anything commercial free? And so, you know, it's 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 a business model that took off. They broke a lot of laws, um, and are still breaking a lot of laws, and as as far as royalties for musicians oh, to yeah. keep it going, um, and so. It's it's a weird thing, um, I, but you know it has to work somehow. The there has to be like a way to like make money as a musician, and so all I can really say is that if you um, if you like creative stuff, um, then go figure out a way. Whether you're don't feel guilty about going and listening to Spotify just because it it's you know this big evil entity that's not going to go away. Like don't feel guilty about whatever but but if you care about something creative figure out a way at some point to go and support it go go buy the t-shirt of the yeah. band go buy go if buy have a print, pa- if go buy have a patreon subscribe to their patreon and or- and there's a lot mm-hmm. of ways to do that and and so like go buy something directly from an artist and not mm-hmm. through like one of the walmarts of the internet don't like, go to hot out, topic go to the artist website to, figure out a way to yeah. do that directly and so that the most amount of dollars are actually going into their hands and they can because, you know, what's taken over from these record labels and things like that is the audience actually owning uh, the creative's work because they're the ones that funding them directly through mm-hmm. some of these bigger services that have been devised around that or through just a lot of drops in the bucket um, and buying the buying the shirts when they're on tour and buying the albums and and uh, pigs. <laughs> I think I think I think our dog started barking. She's she's wearing out our dog, and yeah, so every time Phoebe like lay, I've never seen a dog wear Phoebe out this like this. Great. So every time Phoebe like lays down and she's like I'm kind of tired, that's when she starts barking at her. So so what's on the horizon? Everything wise, music wise. So speaking just, of not making any money from making an album, um, <laughs> we just made an album and we yeah. spent a lot of money doing it. That's yeah. awesome. I, I like that. I like it when artists do spend effort and money into making an album because you can. Re- I mean, we record this podcast every week here, and we don't spend tons and tons of money on this equipment. And people can certainly nowadays, especially with things like GarageBand, you can record. 
music pretty easily. But I think to really do quality like music recording, you know, you need to be at a proper studio. You need to have proper mastering, and it, and that costs money. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I've started a few arguments on the internet, and without really sharing my opinion, just step back. And one of them was, was like, so, you know, people don't pay for albums anymore. Ooh. On the flip side, how should musicians pay to keep going and record? Like what? What do you think they should do? And and an overwhelming amount of people were just like, basically to some to simplify it, were like just lower the quality of the product that you're producing. And I don't, I don't personally, know single, I don't, I'm not going to do. That. I don't know a single artist that's actually that. in it because they love the art that wants to sacrifice quality. Yeah, like I absolutely hate doing remote interviews because I feel like yeah. our quality is half of what it is here in studio because we can control so many of the factors. Yep. So I hate doing them. We still do them on occasion because sometimes sure. that's the only way to get a guest we really want on. Yeah. But, you know, it's I, I don't think there's any other artist out there that is actually in it for the artistry and for the love of the art that is like, yeah, I'll sacrifice quality. Like, I don't know. No real artists. Yeah. Like, I don't know anyone that's like does oil paintings or like, well, I guess I'll use these shitty, like crappy oils on a piece of eight and a half by 11 copy paper and that's, <laughs> I'll make you something. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, the amount of time that it takes to write a song and rehearse a song and teach a band it and perfect it. And, and, uh, there's nothing wrong with home recording. Um, as, and a lot of musicians do really well with that, but just, um, for me personally, I really like getting into a studio still. And, and a lot of times now when I'm going into the studio, we've already recorded the song and we're bringing in, you know, those initial tracks to, to as pre-production. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, there used to be a thing where you'd like go make a demo. You would cut just like a rough cut of a song and then you'd go shop that around. And then if somebody believed in that as a record um, they'd pay for the deal, record, then, yeah. then, then they would go send you to the big leagues and, and 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 one thing that's kind of cool with technology is that the the level between um, just being interested in something and being a professional has gotten tighter and tighter and tighter in certain aspects to where you, you can go you can go be a really decent X Y or Z by going out and buying consumer versions of things and 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 the level that you can produce um, is. You know those man- those are getting really close. They're getting really close. It's really awesome. I mean, like, well, you look at look at YouTube videos. Yeah, these these are uh, there's plenty of professionals, but there's a lot of YouTubers that are just on phones. They're just they're or just on a webcam. A normal person, but they yeah. figured out how to do the editing, and they they put out some stuff that looks better than yep a, a multi million dollar movie. The, yeah, the information is all really really accessible now, mm-hmm. and I feel like. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the difference between when you're talking about recording, like a home home recording and someone who's like at a production studio that is legitimately there for a good reason is is decision making. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily like it used to be that you couldn't record yourself at home. Right. It just wasn't at any possible. good quality. But now that you can, the difference in that is is really just, you know, 
if you're doing it at home through trial and error, anything you do through trial and error is going to take a lot of error, right? And so going into a studio is always going to be useful. And the the answer of, you know, make a cheaper recording is actually just saying kill another industry. Yeah, right, you know, right. like like um, those people's jobs are important and they... Well, it's another, it's another way most of the time that musicians are able to make money. Like if they mm-hmm. get really good at production work, a lot of times they'll open up a recording studio yeah. yeah, and that's how they monetize their artistry. Yeah. You know, just like creating merch, you know, that's a way to monetize artistry. Yeah. We have, we have some colleagues up in Ogden that, um, they play in a, they play in a band and when they perform live, it's only through being hired and getting paid and they only play cover songs and then they take all of that money that they've made and they come back and they have a recording studio and they record their own songs in their recording studio and the production is really good quality and they put that all out on the internet um and that's like that's like their whole that's like Mm -hmm. their whole business model is is like go out and make the money and then and then do the dream on the side kind of thing and 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 so yeah, you have to be. I think you have to be realistically like multi vocational to be a musician, but you're also going to develop a lot of skills that that have these real world uh, applications. And 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 uh, you know there are certain things that you develop skill set wise that are are really valuable to companies, and some that are not. And you know if it's like if I was going to go out and be try to charge to write songs it's like i might be a really great songwriter but that's like that's mm-hmm. not super valuable to most companies um meanwhile if somebody needs some graphic design because i've been making posters since i was 14 years old and that turned into this whole like creative thing, endeavor yeah. you know so and and that's the other thing is like that's why we're that's why we've got like such a wide view of all these different things is is you know we're musicians uh, but at the core of it like we're creatives like we're 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 looking at the world in a certain way we are doing these things because of the people that we are and and so you know when we're looking at cooking something there's 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 a whole process to that that's a creative element in the same way that you know helping somebody make their buttons or their or going out and performing or whatever, like, uh, you know, specialization is for ants and we're, <laughs> we're, we're like jack of all trades in a lot of ways. Like just, uh, and you know, but, but it's been, it's been really, it's been really healthy and it's been really nice to work for ourselves. And I haven't had like a, I haven't had like a, like a quote unquote day job, like where I have to go into the office every day for a little bit over a year now. And, you know, there's, there's days where I work a lot harder, but we're, there's something just so valuable about like being able to kind of control your own schedule and pick and choose. And, you know, it's like right now I'm really craving to go do some live sound and, and be the person mixing the bands because that's something that I've kind of rekindled and become interested in. But when I did that as work, I really hated it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but being able to pick and choose what I do and, and, and maybe even not charge for it because it's just something that I'm passionate about. Like, 
Um, I'm going to be doing sound for all the punk bands at the punk rock flea market. Oh, nice. Um, in, in July. Um, it's always on a Sunday. I think it's the 21st this month or July. We're at the end of June. Yeah, it's basically uh, July. It's basically, it's, basically, it's one week away. Yeah. Like but, next week. But, uh, you know, being able to pick and choose and kind of decide which projects you want to work on, it's like, it's, it's nice to have, not have that, uh, you know, that, that chokehold of. So how do, how do people, uh, listen to your new album or get the vinyl because no one buys anything but vinyl anymore, uh. I feel like. <laughs> well, no one has CD players. Like, no. I don't even have one. No, I do have one in my car, I think. But like, I don't, like, no computers have CD ROMs on yeah. them anymore. Like, you know, my buddy brought over DVDs for me or some Blu-rays. I'm like, I have one Blu-ray player in my house. Like, yeah. Dust it off just like the old VCR. Like, like I want to watch the, the I want to watch the film, but I think about it like uh, almost all the media I consume now is all digital. Like hardly any of it's hard copy. And about the only thing that does sell are physically for for music is vinyls. So yeah. a lot of bands sure. will press their yeah. stuff. Yeah, for that we so we've got um, we're getting we're starting to get all the final final masters for the album that we oh, recorded. Nice. It's full length. Um. And it's the two of us, and I'm playing acoustic guitar, and Aria's playing mandolin, and we're singing. I've got some harmonized vocal parts in there, and that's the whole album. There's not, there's not like drums or bass or backing anything, keyboards. Like we've done a little bit more, just like this is what you're going to hear at a show, um, type of production, and uh, we recorded at Rocket Skates Recording Studio here in Salt Lake, which has been around for a long time, and they're Nate is really awesome, and pretty soon we're going to be announcing the Nick Starter. We're going to do like a little crowdfunding campaign. Oh, nice, nice, and and that is just to pay for the pressing on the vinyl. It's about twenty. It's been about twenty-seven fifty to press two hundred and fifty records. Yeah, um, that's like the raw hard costs, and so you know we've already put about six or seven thousand dollars into recording and mixing and everything for the album and so we want to we want to incentivize people to kind of contribute to that campaign and so what we're going to do is we're going to give them early access to those tracks that they can go download those Uh, the second that they say like okay i'm going to kick down 25 bucks for a vinyl or or like I, you know, here's a hundred because I really, I really care about this or whatever. You know, here's five bucks. Um, we're gonna give people the tracks early, and then that whole time that the vinyl's being pressed, which, you know, those timelines are hazy at best um, in the current world that we live in. They're gonna have access to all the music and be able to hear it all, and then one day the record's gonna show up, and we're gonna mail all those out to everybody, and. We're gonna release it, and then we're gonna we're gonna put it actually out on the streaming services after all of that. Nice to try to incentivize people to actually take the time to intentionally listen to it, and you know whether that's through downloading the tracks and actually like having to go through the extra painful process of of, <laughs> of saying okay, I'm going to do this thing actively. It's not gonna be I'm going to eat a burrito with one hand. I'm going to be like doing Spotify with the other (laughs) and driving down the I-15 and I'm doing 55 in the fast lane. Like we want people to like stop. (laughs) That's 
stop in their lives and and actually spend some time listening actively for a second. That's very hard for people to do. And so, you know, that's why people get infatuated with vinyl. That's why people... Mm -hmm. Because you have to intentionally you know, like set it yeah. down and put it on. I, okay, so I have just a couple more questions yep. for you guys, and, and we'll let you go. The first is, when are either you guys or when is Folk Hogan going to do a Christmas album? Because I feel like that, for anyone <laughs> to be truly a complete music artist in their life, they yeah. have to do some sort of Christmas album. How I, I always thought... I have nothing to back this up. This is strictly opinion. I always thought... Like, musicians ended up having to do Christmas albums as like part of record deals. Or I, I think for Maybe. some of the I old stuff like, that used to be a deal. I thought it was like, like they had like no creative choice about that. Like it the old Pink of... Crosby albums and stuff. But we have a collection like Breeze Car. There's, there's everything, but there's a collection the of, bad of punk rock, like Bad Religion. The Vandals have amazing Christmas yeah. songs. Queens not just your, Age. just, not just your typical carols It's Christmas either. time for my penis. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Like, Merry Christmas, I fucked your snowman. Yeah, stuff like that. Like, the really Who's good that one Christmas songs. Was that the Vandals? Uh, I don't know. It might have been. If only I had there's a one that device that would tell oh, me this There's shit. one about a transgendered person, too. There's one of where I think someone got a gun for Christmas and shot uh, Santa no, Claus No, 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 no. It's... it's um, I can't remember. It's been a while. It's June. I haven't listened to him in over It's something months. about stay, stay the fuck away from my shit or something, but I oh, can't yeah. remember. He's mad at Santa Claus for... <laughs> Showcase Showdown. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Um, so those I, f I mean those are some yeah. of my favorite Christmas songs of all time. So I just I'm just wondering. When and that's put one that's together. not just like a Christmas thing that the trans people are going to have to arm themselves to fight off the government. I think that's <laughs> an, that's going to become a very soon reality. After you know, there's a isn't there a a group here that after there's about two or three yeah. states that still have health care for. Then left and yeah. pink pistols. Those yeah. are. Yeah. Utah's not going to be on the the winning side of this one. No, um, most places aren't. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. yeah maybe so, maybe on the Christmas album. Maybe a Christmas. I. I'm just I, saying. Just think about it, because I think every truly like amazing artist in their time does some sort of Christmas album. So Okay. Just start think thinking about it. About it. it might be what if we just did a Christmas song? That would be great. That's a start. Yeah. So so the bands are kind of trying out a bunch of different stuff right now. And Folk Hogan has always read wrote the we're gonna make full albums. Mm -hmm. And yeah. me too. Like that's been like a, a forceful thing. I put out like one single and now we're just we're just like, you know what? It's been so long. We've been doing this stuff for a while. We're not going to do it because it's like we have to, but but let's put out a couple singles. So right now, Folk Hogan has been jumping from from uh, studio to studio to studio, recording one song at a time. Oh, wow. And and funding that through like gigs and merch, and it's still very expensive. That'd be a fun, like eclectic um, album down the line. And And then... We do have a full album that's sitting there and we're working out the last three or four songs and, and we're kind of just like going out like scientists and just kind of, we're trying things out. So, um, that's, and, and, that's my contribution. and Ari and I, and Ari and I have been, uh, like kind of toying around with this idea too. Like, okay, now that we've got this album that we're working out, like in the meantime, should we go jump back in the studio and record this song or that song and release a single and, and, uh, you know, it's 
I I do like really more than anything creating products, but but kind of I've kind of had to kick myself in the ass as I've learned that you know, like I said earlier, that eight percent of our sales Is, last year yeah. was music, and so <laughs> it's not it's not enough to like really truly justify like even pressing a record, let alone recording it, and so. And so that's depressing, but it's also like very freeing of like, well, then I guess we can just do whatever the fuck we want then. I, I would say if we have to fund it ourselves anyways, then why don't we just do what we want? One of my favorite, uh, it's not really an album, but one of my favorite things of all time. So do you remember box sets back in the day when yeah. you actually got box sets, whether it was like a book of tapes or a bunch of vinyl or CDs in my case, the Smashing Pumpkins released, um, what the hell did they call it? But they released this box set. That was basically all their singles from Melancholy and Infinite Sadness mm -hmm. and all the B-sides to them. Oh, and so cool. like, so, cause that, that album, there was a two disc album. It was like full of like, they had five like top 10 hits off of that album. And it was those songs and then all of the B-sides from the singles they made for those songs. And it was one of the best like collections that I, I've, I, I, I still think I've ever listened to, and yeah. it's because it was somewhat eclectic. Like there was the theme between the different songs, but even those aren't like, like that album was pretty oh, broad. Tenuous. Yeah. And then the B sides to them, which were all fantastic songs that you never got to hear back in those days. Like mm -hmm. those never played on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's, there's some of these prolific artists that just have so many songs it's like you may not ever, you might not hear them. You all, might ever yeah. hear it unless you go catch them live, unless they do something like that. I mean that part of, you know, part of being a, a musician is you're just you're always writing stuff, and mm -hmm. a lot of things just don't they don't ever make it all the way to the band even, mm -hmm. and um, you know some of the some of the people that I idolize write a sheet of lyrics every single day. Just as a practice, just a good way to make just sure you're creative. sharpening yeah. the knife, and hmm. and uh, you know I've had a ton of fun. One of the things I haven't done in a long time that I used to do is I I used to just pop on Facebook Live or mm -hmm. or I'd post on the internet and I'd be like, Hey, I'm writing short, stupid songs about whatever you want. So just go ahead and name a subject of a song that you want, and I'll create it. <laughs> Doing some improv, <laughs> and I would just do that, and I would it would, sometimes it would take me like a day later to actually post the videos but i would like have to just like write these stupid jingles on the spot and sometimes they come out really really good songs and sometimes they were just like okay but then uh at the time the band was me and a drummer and we started doing this live even we would like and i just i and it was never like oh this is really great and i'm really proud of this music that i'm creating but, but it was fun but it was like the improv comedy thing where it's just like the people getting to kind of DJ the show really, really like got a kick out of the fact that we could just create a song on the spot. Like, and it was like, Oh, like, you know, so how do people get a hold of you if they want buttons or graphic design work or uh, website work or any kind of, yeah. Merch uh, npbuttons.com or npbuttons at Gmail. Um, all the music stuff is nickpassy.com slash music. And that's where you can find all your tour dates and stuff like that. Yeah. Too. And we've got so many shows in July and August. We're very active. Um, you know, being the acoustic thing, we get a lot of really great opportunities in the summer. And, 
Um, yeah, if you work at a place or you have interests in things, you should make buttons for those. <laughs> we So we used to send out... And, and it, maybe if you don't fall in those two categories, you should still make buttons. Buttons are great handouts. And we used it. to send them in all of... Like, you, this is something we do that a lot of podcasts don't do. If you come on our show... You will get a thank you card from yeah. us. You also get a Christmas card that year. And some of our some of our folks get Christmas cards every year. Sometimes they move and don't give us a forwarding address, and that <laughs> ends the Christmas card delivery. But for you them. made our you made our buttons. For we us. yeah we we used to send buttons with our thank you but cards. But then the mail started messing them up, and they'd just come back, and the button would be gone, and oh. I would just have them like the torn letter for the mail, or like yeah. return for postage. So yeah, we don't send them to, as much. Yeah, you're supposed to put them in like a padded envelope to send yeah, yeah. It took me a long time to kind of conceptualize how we were going to sell buttons online because I I was just like, well, people aren't going to want to pay $2 for a button and $2.50 shipping. Yeah, you got to sell you in, know? in bigger quantities. So we got to... So. So, but then it didn't even occur to me that they would get on there and select three or four or five because of that. Mm-hmm. So we still have... We still have people that hit us up and they... Or they get on the Etsy and they order. We're we're constantly throwing our own designs out there. We're doing custom stuff for people, and it's you know it's it's they're awesome. We love them. But yeah, you should make some buttons. Bottle opener buttons are the best. Yeah, magnets and bottle openers really fun. And we do a bunch of different stuff, and that's what we do for a living. So. Please buy stuff from us. So (laughs) (laughs) they want to still continue to live. Feed their puppy. all right, I've got I've got our affirmation. We're gonna read our it daily affirmation. We, we, well, weekly, yeah. Um, so this one is uh, it's up to you to find beauty in the ugliest days. Everyone survives some super shitty days, but even when it comes to those crappiest of crap days, if you look back and you you can pretty much always find something beautiful. Maybe someone was expect unexpectedly kind to you, or for a split second the st- start tingly gold sunset made you forget your life was crumbling or perhaps there were donuts with sprinkles at your first AA meeting (laughs) the trick is to train yourself to spot the beauty in that very moment aka real time it makes the ugly days a little less ugly there you go there you go uh, thank you guys both so much for being on the show. It's been a fantastic thing, and thanks for thanks for bringing yeah. Piggy. Listen, cause... listen to how hard this dog is breathing in this well air conditioned house. Now that she stopped, she's like, "No, Dad, no, Dad." I don't. I, she's got stage fright. There we go. 